Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. This is Trading Spaces. I'm Dan Nathan. That's Guy Adami. We do these every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Sponsored by CME Group. They're the sponsor of our podcast, On the Tape Podcast, which drops every Friday morning in your favorite podcast store. So please um, check it out. Um, Last week, we had David Rosenberg, Rosenberg Research. This week, we are going to be talking geopolitical risks for markets with Ian Bremer of the Eurasia Group. I'm really excited about that. That'll drop Friday morning. Um, Here we are, guys at this conference. I have my screens open. I'm staring at them. We got a bit of a bounce here. It's been a volatile few days in the stock market over the last week or so. Um, We've seen up and down 2% moves, which we actually have not seen in a while. Today's price action, pretty interesting. I'm not sure why we bounced so hard. Maybe you were not sure why we sold off so hard um, on yesterday. But this this rally is not really sticking. We were down 2% at the lows yesterday, up 2% at the highs today. You know, one of the things that really sticks out to me is that high growth names that are largely unprofitable for the most part, you might call them the ARC investment complex arc is down three percent kathy wood just did a a a pro talk with uh sarah eisen from cnbc i haven't listened to it yet um but look at the the devastation in some of like crowd strikes down five percent their report after the close data dog is down five percent zoom is down nearly six percent zscaler huge reversal today after their earnings down seven percent salesforce down nine percent salesforce is not a small name snowflake guy some people call you a snowflake every once in a while. I don't even know what that means. That stock is down 5.5%. That is a $100 billion market cap company that we never talk about that is going to report after the close today. I think it's really bad. Um, I think that continually crowding into some of these mega cap names. So Apple is up 2.5% right now. Apple was up 3.1% yesterday. Do the math, okay, if you want, on nearly six and market cap on a stock that has a two point, nearly $2.8 trillion. All right. Program. Now, okay. you ha- do you hear so, me now, Dan Nathan? Now we do, guys. I've been, I've been impaling me? myself. No, I've been, I've been, every time I hit unmute, it mutes yeah. me. It must, it must know that I'm not that bright. Anyway, you were yeah. talking about the, the, how strong the market is. And, you know, we alluded to this last night on Fast Money. And I'm not trying to be glib here, but I said, you know, I've seen this movie dozens of times over the years where, you, know, you have a one, two-day sell-off, and the market will correct itself because that's what the market does. Now, I do think we're on the precipice of something. I think there are a lot of things, as we've said now, seemingly for weeks, under the surface that appear to be really troubling and, and problematic for the market. But in the meantime, you know, seasonality suggests you know, probably going to continue to get this sort of grind. I, I just don't see anything drastic happen over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some things out there. If you think that the Fed... And what they did or did not do or what they recognize about the fears about this variant and what it might mean for, um, you know, growth in general and what it might mean for their previously announced taper. I mean, that's the added like bit of volatility in this whole thing. So, Guy, 
what what I was saying while you were having a tough time getting on is that Apple, you know, has gained, I don't know, 6% in two trading days while there's been a really bad action under the hood and a lot of other groups in the NASDAQ here. And I, I just see that as so bearish. I, I, I can't tell you how bearish I think the crowding in Apple. Yesterday, Apple was up 3.1%. Unless they cured COVID uh, on a day that the market was down 1.5%, yeah. I, I just don't get it, man. I, I do not. And so I just think the increasingly narrowing of breadth and the concentration in these names and just the devastation, I'll use that word again, in so many other names, I, I just think it's like the combination is so bearish for the stock market. I agree with you. And but, you know, We talked about it on the show last night. Apple's a stock that typically trades about 70 million shares or so a day. Yesterday, it traded 175 million shares, I think. I don't have the volume in front of me today, but I think what you're seeing is people. it's a flight to quality in the form of Apple. I mean, that might sound crazy, but I think that's exactly what's going on. So people feeling apprehensive about the broader market, they say, where can I hide out? And I think that's what's happening in Apple. I don't think that's particularly healthy, though. And as you've mentioned dozens of times over the years, and I've said it before as well, I mean, over the last, I would say, three years, you've had four 15 to 35 percent peak to trough declines in yeah. Apple. Um, so, again, I'm not suggesting we're on the precipice of one now, but if you don't think Apple sells off, um, you know, look again there, folks. Yeah, well, yeah, again, I mean, like the higher it goes right now in a straight line, it went from really massively underperforming the broad market to now outperforming, you know, it's up 28 percent. Um, on the year, which is obviously uh, a bit better than the S&P and the NASDAQ. But here's the problem that I have with this. I mean, literally, the stock like launched off of 150 um, on November 17th. It's up nearly 14% in two weeks. And that, that is just like unsustainable. I mean, that is, you know, if you do that, the market cap on that, okay? We're literally talking over $300 billion in market cap. Do you know how many stocks in the S&P 500 have 300 billion plus market cap? So I, that, I, that, you know, that's, it's, yeah, it's a good question. I, what about 15, one five? I mean, you'd know better than I do, but I don't think it's that many. So it's interesting, and, and I do think at a certain point, it's all going to come home to roost. And by the way, you know, I think you touched on it earlier, but it's worth mentioning again. You know, This about-face, and it is an absolute about-face by specifically Jerome Powell, is, yeah. is noteworthy. And now somebody mentioned it, I think you might have mentioned it last night, or Karen, the fact that you know, now that he's got his second term, maybe the administration will say, look, we've got to do a better job fighting inflation. That's the one thing on everybody's radar screen. And that's the one reason you know, our, our, we're not polling that well. And I think that that might actually be true. And by the way, that's actually a good thing. They should have been doing it months ago. But be careful because you pull one lever and something else has got to fall. And I think they're playing with fire in terms of what it could potentially mean for the market. Well, interestingly, though, Guy, and, and I don't think anyone saw this happening for the reasons that it did, but if inflation was one of the biggest, like, if you think about, Okay, what, what were the reasons why some of these commodities were going up the way they do? You know, the, the bottleneck, supply, demand, you know, all these weird kind of dislocations or whatever. But, like, look at crude oil. I mean, the march that it had from the lows in August to its highs in October, and literally it looked like it wanted to break out even earlier this month, guy. And now here we are, 85 
to 66 and a half. Today's bounce is disgusting. It's it's horrible. I mean, like you have to think it's going to fail and we're going to have we're going to be re- retesting that August low, which was somewhere around like 62 or something like that. But does crude oil coming in 20 some percent? Does that help this cause? You know what I mean? Do they work themselves out of this um, kind of inflation, this political issue that they have with inflation? Because, you know, l- listen, a lot of people said tapping the SPR. You said it is just a, a political thing. And I agree. I mean, obviously, it's political. But even if it was inconsequential, it might have helped kind of push things along a little bit. And what is what is $65 oil mean versus $85 oil a, a month ago? when No, I mean, obviously, it's interesting. Obviously, it's, it's, it's significantly better. And, you know, what I found funny the other day was, you know, people in the administration are sort of puzzled as to why the you know, they're not seeing the commensurate move in gas prices. And that's just, and, and this is not directed at the Biden administration. This is every administration that I can remember. They just have no understanding of how these things work. So, yeah, crude can go down in a meaningful way. That doesn't mean gas prices are going to follow suit. I mean, it's a much different dynamic going on. But I think your point is well taken that, yeah, regardless of how we've gotten here, this, you know, 25, 30% move in crude oil can only be helpful, right? I just think that there are greater forces at work. And I think, listen, it's not me saying it now. It's Jerome Powell himself saying it. You know, we're going to sort of put, you know, transitory. You're not going to hear that from us anymore. And they're clearly concerned about this. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done what is effectively a complete 180 in terms of their language. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the one thing I would say is if you talk about catalysts this month, is that if the stock market, if we fail today, and, and you made a great call um, on one of these spaces last week where we had one of the bounces after a big da- down day and you thought that there was a really good chance um, that the market would close down. And, and the, what I'm looking at on my screens, Guy, I'm seeing like bank stocks kind of giving it up a little bit. Uh, I'm seeing, again, these high growth tech names. And, and listen, I cannot put too fine a point. The fact that Salesforce is down nearly 10%, this is a massive company here um, that just guided down. And when growth stocks start guiding down, you better take notice. I'm just saying, if I know anything about investing in growth stocks over the last 25 years, that's one of them. So if we start losing some of these names, okay, your Tesla is down right now. If the banks go down, we're going to be down on the day. I don't care if, if you know, Apple goes on there. And then we might find ourselves in a situation where maybe market participants are testing Jerome Powell's metal. How far does it take for the stock market to go down, um, you know what I mean, before he changes his tune? Sorry, guys. I'm trying to find a quiet spot. I, that's, I mean, that's what I was alluding to earlier, right? If you're going to fight inflation, I think that's great. And I think that's in everybody's best interest. But in, by fighting inflation, you run the risk that the, you're going to have a feedback loop in the market. And to your, answer your question, how far does the market have to go down before he changes his tune? Well, we're not even close to that, by the way. I think we're going to get a lot close. But the, the right answer is somewhere between, I would imagine, 15 and 20 percent. I think that's when they get concerned and then that's going to have to sort of shift back. So, you know, they're going to be playing this push me pull you game for a while and we'll see how long um, both sides react to it. At a certain point, uh, they're not going to get the desired effect on either front, just in my opinion. 
Well, I'm with you there. All right, let's look at some single names, guy. Um, you see what's going on with these home builders. Lennar is up 4.5%. Um, Toll Brothers up 2.5%. I think Goldman upgraded Lennar. Masco's up a couple percent. Any thoughts um, on home builders? Um, because that's something that, you know, we've seen some palpitations in rates. Um, you know, mortgage rates in, in the rise doesn't seem to be a big fear here. I haven't read their note. I don't know why they upgraded the stocks uh, or that stock in particular. Any thoughts on home builders at the moment? We might have lost them. Um, well, no, I, I'm I sorry. I'm here. Yeah. I apologize. No, yeah, I was going to okay. say, you know, the one thing that I mentioned for a while, and I, now I'm going to continue to bang this drum, is, you know, the power of Home Depot and, you know, how – you know, X a couple of times over the last few years where you've had meaningful declines. I mean, this has been one of those lower left to the upper right. People knocking on valuation, but that's been a knock for the last literally five years. So, you know, they continue to execute well. I don't think that um, the world has fundamentally changed to their detriment. And I think if you're looking to play the home builders, the best way to continue to do is with Home Depot, Dan. Yeah, all right. I'm going to hit the airlines in a second, Guy, but I want to break in right here. Amanda has pinned in our space here um a market call guy and i do the market call tuesdays and thursdays it's a, a live video um on thursdays it is sponsored by Factset and by sofi and on december 8th at noon we're going to have a live a special 2022 outlook sponsored by Factset, and we're going to have three of their experts on so click the link there subscribe we'd love to have you on there um has been a great partner of ours um, and we appreciate the opportunity that they have to kind of host their people. So check that out. All right, guys, let's move to airlines. Okay, so this is a group that I got to tell you, just pull up these Delta United charts. They are disgusting. I mean, like literally they're like two of the worst charts in the market. Delta's making a new 52-week low today, okay? Um, and then United is very close and they really feel like, I think you said the precipice, we were on the precipice of something. These stocks feel like they are on the precipice of something here. And they're well off their COVID pandemic lows from 2020. And no one knew what the hell was going on here. But they are significantly off the highs. I think the 2021 high in Delta was like 52. The stock's at 34. United has a similar percentage yep. to climb. What's your take on these they, things? And by are the they way, are they and by the way, no, they're tradable. They're, I don't think they've been investable for a while. And if you look to your point, many of these stocks, if not all of the airlines, they all topped out in April. And this was long before yeah. any of the things that are going down now were even considered. So the airlines were telling you something in the mid-spring, if you really want to get down to brass tacks. In terms of are they tradable? Yeah, but I don't think they're tradable yet. To your point, Delta making a 52-week low, it's got more room. And you haven't seen that volume capitulation yet the name that i've talked about for a while that had a huge run to the upside uh and then given some of it back has been expedient now quickly in terms of the airlines so much of their um margins come from business travel and that's just not i mean it's, the reality is that's not coming back in a robust way i mean i hate to tell you but that's just you know that's where we are right yeah. now and 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 the headlines over the last week are clearly not helping that well, I'll tell you this, you know, I'm at a conference, I'm at Credit Suisse's technology, um, your TMT conference, an annual thing, it's down in Arizona, in Scottsdale, the Phoenician, and I've been to this conference a lot over the years, and it's a big, it's a big tech conference, I mean, hundreds of hundreds of people, um, I think they have great numbers here, and, you know, I, I think people really want this sort of 
um, you know, this sort of contact again. So, you know, again, I, I think that the volatility that this 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 worry about this variant has caused, it doesn't seem like, you know, I, I think that you've said it no, a couple times. No, but you know, I'll week. say this, you know, yeah. I want to play I want to play tight end for the Giants, but it ain't happening. I mean, it could yeah. happen because I think Evan Ingram sucks. But it's probably, I'm probably not going to be his replacement. Sorry, please continue. No, I get it. But my point is, we're not going back. There's no, there's no political appetite for lockdowns or, or, or like really strong restrictions. I think Jim Cramer, uh, at least Zero Hedge, made it sound like he he um, had a moment on his show either last night or, or this morning, calling for like government mandates of like vaccine things. I mean, listen, you forget. You know, I got on a plane the other day, and I don't know if the person next to me is is vaccinated or not. All we can do is do what we can do, right? And so I don't think we're ever going to get there, you know. Um, but um, I, I just don't see lockdowns, and I see U.S. businesses just kind of getting back to it. And if that means hybrid working, fine, or whatever. But ultimately, you know, the airlines will have to work. They might just have to work from lower levels. I, I mentioned one name is kind of interesting. Airbnb had a huge rally off the summer lows. I think it was like, I don't know, 135 or something. It was trading um, just earlier, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. It was trading like 215 or something, 210. Um, that thing is breaking this uptrend that has been in place from the July lows. I think it's interesting to keep an eye on that. And I, I do think the volatility as far as in, in, in expectations about when we're getting back to normal is something that's kind of really interesting. But then there's another thing, you know, guy, you know, when sports betting came back and you're at the sports betting conference, so let's talk about this for a second. You know, when sports came back, Sports betting, it seemed like the people that were inclined to bet on their iPhone, um, you know, was ready to go. And you saw DraftKings, and you saw Penn, and you saw some of the other related names have these huge moves. DraftKings now, guy, it's down 5% today, and it's down 50% from its highs in September after it had a big run. I mean, what the hell is going on? Is this just about valuation and unprofitability? Because this doesn't have to do about the secular shift towards online sports betting. My assumption is nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Regard. But, you know, yeah. it's, you know, if you really want to get down to it, Jim Chanos probably a year and a half ago put out a piece on the business model of DraftKings and said, listen, you know, there's a lot of hopium going on here. Now, the market was not on his side for a long time. Obviously, you saw how well DraftKings traded, but it's all coming home to roost now. So, you know, at a certain point, business models, valuations, cash flow, uh, all those things matter. It's it, you know it's the same thing, Dan. To your point with Robinhood, I mean everybody got jazzed up about Robinhood because he had a couple guys with great hair and a cool name. But you tell me what's different about their business model. I mean, what's innovative about what they do? The the answer is nothing. And look how horribly that stock is traded. So look, at a certain point, it'll find its footing. It's just not here. And I think that's what's going on with DraftKings. Yeah, all right, let's talk about this balancing crude oil um, real quickly, Guy, um, because we just touched on it before, but it's basically now unchanged on the day. W what, what do you think the significance of, let's say, um, does, it, does it say to you that, oh, okay, well, that's one inflationary pressure that should be like kind of gone now if we see crude like sub-70, you know, that sort of thing, or is it like the other way? Is it disinflationary if you see it go too low? I'm just curious your thoughts Look, there. I think, I mean, it's clearly that too many people, and sorry about that, and I was on that side of the boat, you know, just got too amped up about crude oil, and a lot of people thought, and again, I was one of those people, you'd have triple-digit crude by the end of the year. doesn't appear like that's happening now. I think, again, so much of this is the I think, again, a lot of this comes down into 
One, the, the headlines we got of this new variant, that obviously didn't help. But two, the technicals were stacked up against it. And three, the Fed, the Fed seemingly, again, doing a complete 180 in terms of their language. And they're going to battle this thing. The, the, listen, the, the, the centerpiece, the battlefield for inflation is going to take place for better or for worse in the crude oil market. So right now, yeah. um, they're winning. And that's, I think that's exactly what's going on. All right, let's talk about rates uh, for a second here because you see twos, they're having a moment, right, the two-year, and the 10-year can't get out of its own way, right? And you have, so you have the 10-year at 145. You have the two-year at basically 157, 158. So you have the 210 spread at 86.5, okay? What is that saying to you? So for some of our listeners who don't spend a ton of time, you know, staring at treasury yields, what, what, what is that difference? Yeah, I think, to you? I think the 210 spread, I think that the, the basically 210s coming in to the magnitude that they've come in is the most disturbing thing. Now, obviously, the headline was 10-year yields going higher, to your point, that is stopped. But if you really want to get um, down to brass tacks and the things that sort of the wonks look at, it's twos tens. And we're at 85 or so basis points now, to your point. We haven't seen this uh, narrow of a spread in quite some time. And last time we got close to basically a flat yield curve, the market was not particularly happy. Again, I'm not saying we're on the verge of that, but you are a lot closer today than we were three weeks yeah. ago. And two tens now are something that, Again, we weren't talking about it in October. Well, we're going to start talking about it in earnest in December. Right. And so, so just to break this down real quickly, okay, so the two has gone in September from 20 basis points to where it is right now at 57, 58 basis points, okay? And so what that's reflecting is the fact that the Fed has announced the taper. Yesterday they said, uh, Fed Chair Powell said, they might even accelerate the taper and therefore, short-term interest rates are likely to go up sooner than people thought. That's why the two is moving higher, right? All right. The 10-year, though, guy, can't get out of its own freaking way at 145. And so what is a depressed longer-term, longer-dated yield mean? It means it's a reflection on longer-term growth. Is that right. fair to say? Okay. That's 100%. And now, listen, what, the next thing you're going to say is, you know, I we're know. getting into the stagflation oh, environment. That's Danny Moses. No, but it's true. I mean, that what you've talked about. What you're explaining is exactly that. So the front end moving up, the back end really just stubbornly not doing a damn thing. You have growth scares and you have inflation that's still a problem. So you tell me what that looks like. All right. Like. So let me push back on the, the idea of growth scare. Okay. So real quickly, Q3 was supposed to be the quarter where the, the economy inflected and there was expectations at the start of the quarter for six, seven, eight percent GDP growth. It ended up just a little north of two percent. Now again, we have one month left in Q4, but I think GDP now um, for Q4. Atlanta Fed has 8% expected GDP growth. Um, okay, no doubt about it that just what's going on with this variant, you know, um, is likely to cause a little bit of hit. You'll see that number start coming down. I would also say that we were seeing consumer confidence weakening um, into Q3 a little bit. There was some funky data that we saw. And you think about how promotional retailers have been with Black Friday and um, – and uh, whatever, the Cyber Monday sort of stuff. I mean, it seems like they were just running promotions really early. You might have, like, December might be a really ugly month for, for data as well, it relates to consumers. About, you, you've talked about the pull forward, potential for a pull forward since the spring. And, it's, and that's starting to come to fruition as well. So, you know, all these factors are at work right now. The only thing that is not moving 
effectively not moving is the broader market, right? I mean, we're still within two and a half percent or something of the of the yeah. all time high in the S and P. Now, I will tell you, we haven't we've gone now twenty six minutes without talking about uh, the one thing we probably should bring up that reversal in the IWM. You know, that failed breakout. The Russell two thousand. Really, yeah. yeah, the Russell two thousand is really something worth watching. You talked about it. Carter Worth talked about it before it happened. He said that this was going to take place. He didn't trust the breakout. You know, you had an IWM, a Russell that traded sideways from February until recently, finally broke through the upside. I think it was at 235 level, and it's given it an entire move back. And I got to tell you, to, through 214 on the downside, that's really problematic. And that speaks to, you know, everything we've just waxed poetic about for the last 25 minutes. That's all what it speaks to is in the small caps. Well, that's, and, and you know, the Russell now, is down ten and a half percent from its highs made, you know, in early November here. Okay, after that breakout, I think it was eleven eight, um, November eighth when when it broke out. And and I just the thing that I'm just having a really hard time with, guy, is that look at the S and P five hundred, which is obviously market cap weight versus the the equal weight S and P. 500 and that's already below its breakout level right it's already testing its 50-day moving average and that's just again another reflection of um you know of weakening breath here and and i just i I know we sound like the fucking dumbest guys on the planet but like unless the whole framework has changed um you know i I just don't know how we can kind of have six stocks kind of levitating i agree with that so yeah i agree with that listen i i I'm getting kicked out of the quiet space that I'm in, so I apologize. But yeah. I think the things to watch today, you know, you talked about it. See how the Russell closes. This 210 spread, put it on your radar screen because at 85 basis points, it's now on everybody's radar screen. We should be watching that. And, again, Apple's been a stalwart. If, if one of these days you have a reversal on Apple on big volume, that might be your cue for the broader market, Dan Nathan. All right, Guy Dami. Thanks a lot, bud. I'm just going to wrap this up. You, you, you take off here, um, and then we'll see. I'll see you on Fast Money tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Um, thanks, Guy. Well, thank you guys for listening. I mean, here, here's the deal. I mean, listen, I think there's a definite potential for down in the day. I think the action um, in, in these kind of like growth stocks, it's just really, really nasty. And then you look at you know Salesforce, which is not a small company, down 9% um, after its results. Um, that's pretty disappointing. Tesla went down on the day. I think that's something you always want to keep an eye on. It feels like that's just a battleground stock. This ARK investment down... Three and a half percent. Kathy Wood spent, I don't know, an hour uh, with Sarah Eisman in a pro talk on CBC that they've been talking about all day. And that stock, or excuse me, that ETF, which you know is the biggest holdings, you know, Tesla, Twitter, Coinbase, uh, Roku, a bunch of other things, that thing's done 19% since the start of November, um, just in the last few weeks. So I like keeping an eye on that. And this is not a knock against Kathy Wood and what she's doing. I think she's obviously, um, you know, a very, um, very important investor in this market because I think there's a lot of people, especially in retail, it seems to be queuing up um, what she does. So that's why I keep an eye on that. I'm not knocking her, but that thing is well down in the year. Um, retailers, I think, are going to have a really difficult December. Um, you know, things like Disney guy has been all over this thing since it was like $180. He said it was $135 stock. And every time we bring it up, it seems to go down another $5. Here it is um, at $145. Some of the gaming stocks are getting hit. And also keep an eye on this AMC. 
at 32 bucks here. It's down um, a few percent. I think if you lose these meme stocks, wouldn't that be an interesting kind of way to end 2022 if, if GameStop, AMC, and a couple of these other ones? But AMC right now is trading at three-month lows. It's trading at levels it hasn't traded at since the summer. Um, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, semis lastly um you know here it is you know nvidia is down in the day now amd's down in the day but you're seeing some of the laggards taiwan semi even micron um you know catching up intel's believe it or not up on the day that was my final call at fast money last night so let's see if they can hold on here for the balance of the day i want to see jp morgan if that goes down in the day if apple gives up a little bit um let's see how how nasty tesla looks um crude oil is the other one i mean that thing red on the day might cause some alarm bells to scream i still like the ethereum i was asked last night all of us were asked last night what's a one stock that you go back to that you add to i said i'm not going to do a stock i'm going to do a crypto um ethereum i buy that one on dips and have been uh, for the better part of this year. And I'm more interested in, in putting incremental capital to work there than I am anywhere in the stock market, to be really frank. All right, listen, thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate it. Check out this pinned tweet. Guy and I, December 8th, 1 o'clock, live, Eastern, hosted by FactSet. It's a market call 2022 outlet on earnings, energy, and ESG. We have a few people from FactSet that are going to join us to kind of give us their outlooks. I'm really excited about that. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to CME who sponsors these trading spaces. Um, check out this Friday's on the tape podcast, but also sponsored by CME. We have Ian Bremer from the Eurasia Group. We're going to talk about inflation, supply chains. We're going to talk about what's going on with China and Taiwan. We're going to talk about what's going on with Russia at the Ukrainian border and some other geopolitical things going on, a little COVID here and there. Um, so be safe, everyone. <laughs>